This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. My guest this week is Delisa Perry. Delisa is a philosopher and also happened to grow up in the neighborhood I live in now, Rogers Park, here in Chicago. At the beginning of the interview, you will hear me sort of geek out and uh, ask her what it was like to grow up in the neighborhood and and things like that. I get pretty excited about Chicago uh, and try to be a booster of it, and especially of this neighborhood. (laughs) So I sort of jumped at the opportunity to ask her a few questions about Rogers Park. Um, though I did sort of try to relegate a lot of that geeking out, um, and just being super excited to some of our, our, uh, Twitter DMs when we were first talking, um, throughout this conversation, you'll hear Delisa talk about her experience, um, growing up as well as her experience in her adolescence and at college, uh, when she became involved in a youth group. Um, and what it was like to be the only African-American woman in in an all-white environment in that church environment, as well as some other experiences that she has uh, relative to race as well. Um, Delisa talks very passionately about her love of philosophy in this uh, interview as well, and unfortunately what you'll find out is that... um, the audio cuts out at the end, and that was just because of a Skype issue that we really weren't able to resolve, even after multiple attempts in the evening that we recorded. Um, this interview is also recorded uh, earlier last year, and I wasn't able to release it until now, but um, I hope that you enjoy what we were able to record, and I hope that you will go over to Twitter and follow Delisa at underscore Delisa Perry. That's D-E-L-I-S-A-P-E-R-R-Y. She's got a a lot of really wonderful things to say, and I hope I can talk to her again and sort of pick up where this one drops off because of these stupid technical issues. Uh, I do have a bit of an ad hoc postlude to it uh, and you you will see that it, it does sort of um, drop off in the middle of a conversation so you uh, hope maybe in a part two we can sort of pick up as an in media res sort of <laughs> thing and just pick up where her story uh, drops off um, in this conversation so I hope you enjoy um, my discussion with Delisa Perry all right, let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome back to Exvangelical. My guest this week is Delisa Perry. She is a fellow Chicagoan, and we met over Twitter, and I'm very happy to talk to her. Welcome to the show, Delisa. Thank you for having me. Thank you for thank you for joining me. Um, let's start just with some background about you. Actually, when, when we first sort of connected... Um, uh, I mentioned that I was up in Rogers Park, and you mentioned that this is an area where you actually spent some time growing up. So, um, what was your what was your childhood like? Where um, 
what was on, what was that like here in here in the Chicago area? It was actually really great. Um, most of my mom's uh, side of the family is from Chicago, uh, so I grew up on the north side uh, in Rogers Park with my grandmother and my aunt. Um, and my little sister and my aunt's kids. So it was a pretty full house. But looking back, um, it was a really, really good childhood. That's great. Yeah, that's that's actually the neighborhood we live in. We live in Rogers Park, and we we do definitely love it. So um, it's it's a very interesting and and good neighborhood. So I'm glad to hear that it was good for you growing up. Um, what was that? What was it like within within that full family and everything? What were the sort of dynamics that you had there? Um, so I was always like the the quiet kid, stay to myself um, in a corner with a book. Uh, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now, um, studying philosophy. But um, it was really good. Um, being older than my sister, I always felt like I had to um, protect her. Mm-hmm. Um, and also my cousins, uh, being the second oldest of all the grandchildren. Um, so uh, everyone else was an extrovert, and everyone's still... They still are extroverts, and I'm still (laughs) the only introvert. So um, it it made for uh, interesting uh, family gatherings, but (laughs) looking back, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. So what what sort of books were you into as a kid? What what were you reading then? I honestly loved um, Goosebumps. I actually remember the first book. Yeah, I read like all the books in the series. Um, The first book I actually learned how to read was Little Red Riding Hood. So. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, that's like, well, that was my way of escaping, um, yeah. reading. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I remember, um, I didn't read a ton of those. I, I remember one of the, and I, I always get that confused with, do you remember the Nickelodeon show? Are you afraid of the dark? Yes. I, <laughs> I, I think they were, they were very sort of in a similar vein and I can't remember if it was a Goosebumps book or a, one of those episodes where it was like someone that had to that had like a scary Halloween mask that wouldn't come off like uh, so I can't remember if that was one of those books or or one of those or one of those shows but um but yeah I those books were a ton of fun Um, they were I believe (laughs) that was Goosebumps the tv show oh oh was it okay okay so maybe that's where I where I made that connection (laughs) I forgot that they had the show too that's great yeah it's on Netflix, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> great. You can go relive that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, so what was um, the outside of your sort of family dynamic being the introvert amongst extroverts? What um, did did you have sort of a exposure to religion or going to church or anything like that um, growing up? Or what, did that come later? I faintly remember uh going to church here and there um probably for like some event but we never went like on a weekly basis or anything um but my grandmother did study with um Jehovah's Witnesses and I do remember them coming to our house um I don't know probably every week or every other week uh really dressed up always always with their bibles um and being really interested in what they had to um, share. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, out of all the kids, I think I was the only one that was, like, interested in, like, the Bible and God and um, what all of that meant. So it was ma- mainly me and my grandmother and my aunt sometimes. Oh, okay. 
So you were you were also the one like you were introverted, and you're also the one that went, that like religious and philosophical things sort of just piqued your interest too. Yeah. Okay. What did was there anything even as a kid that like really um, fascinated you about that sort of stuff? Um, I think just uh, the who God was, um, the mm-hmm. fact um, I was told that He was uh, eternal and. I always wondered like what that meant and um like it's funny because they did speak about like Jesus not the Holy Spirit but like God and Jesus and what that um relationship looked like and um so yeah it was it, it mainly was like those types of like aspects of uh the Bible hmm. mm-hmm. yeah that's <laughs> those are like uh I, I think even as a as a kid like i I have a five-year-old now, and something like trying to explain something about the concept of God being having no beginning or end, like, how do you wrap your head around that? I mean, it's hard for, it, it's a hard concept no matter how old you are, but as a kid, <laughs> um, it's it's even more like, uh, more mind-boggling, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, it, it definitely grabbed my attention, and um, I stuck with it for quite a while as a child. Oh, really? So what was that? What was that like just sitting with your grandmother and your aunt and, and during these, during these visits with the Jehovah's Witnesses, like that was the primary sort of, they, they accepted you and sort of let you talk through those things. Is that? Yes. And I also remember, um, it's funny how these memories are like popping up now. Um, Mm -hmm. I also remember, um, going to the kingdom hall, uh, here and there, um, but I don't remember like the the specific um, things about the uh, meetings. But I remember going to the Kingdom Hall, studying the Bible. Um, yeah, it was all really fascinating, but odd. <laughs> <laughs> what um? So was it? What what was? So I I'm, I'm going to express admit to some ignorance here. I don't I don't know that much about Jehovah's Witnesses and and their uh, in, individual doctrines as far as how they may be different from, um, Orthodox Christianity. Some people, you know, some people state that they're, uh, heretical or, or what have you. <laughs> so I'm not sure. Um, so was that something I'm just trying, I'm not sure whether you're, you're mentioning that being odd, is that part of it that you were uh, aware of something that was different than what you may have heard at a different church or was it odd in a different way? No, um, just the, well, that was only my only, uh, like exposure to church, um, Mm -hmm. or any type of religious like setting. Um, so it was odd just that, like how, um, just how they conducted themselves. Like it was very, um, uh, how can I put it? Like restricted in a way, like how they would worship, um, how they would preach, how they would interact with one another, um, calling each other like brother and sister, so and so. That part of it was odd to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I remember all these memories are just popping up. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember them saying, like, you know, the Holy Ghost, you know, that's not real or whatever. And I, I didn't think anything of it as a child. I just took whatever they said as, you know, the gospel. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I know they. 
and I know they mentioned like hell wasn't real, et cetera, and all that stuff. So, so some of those things were like conflicting with what I would see on TV concerning like Christianity or whatnot. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, you know, these actors who are playing Christians are saying X, Y, and Z, but you know, sister so-and-so who comes to the house every week says, you know, ABC. So it was really conflicting for me, but I didn't know how to process it or who to go to, to, um, work all this stuff out. Right. Yeah. 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 And I mean, if you're, if you're a kid, you're, you're going to go where you're taken. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Very interesting. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I, I didn't mean to like put you on the spot to try to like detail Jehovah's Witness doctrine or anything like that. I just, it's honestly like a, just a big blind spot for me. So it's something that I was curious about. Um, <laughs> uh, so as you sort of grew up in, uh, in, in the neighborhood and everything, um, were you, were you ever part of like a youth group sort of environments? And if so, what was that like for you? No, not at all. Um, that wasn't until college actually. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, anything else sort of, so throughout the high school and everything, um, you were, uh, what was, what was that part of your, what was that part of your, your development like? Um, it was really, I guess, awkward and excruciating in some ways. Um, I, uh, I guess like being an introvert kind of like finally caught up with me because, you know, as a kid, you know, you develop friendships some last some don't but it seemed that all of my friends that I would make throughout the school year they just ended up like moving away or what have you um so like around 16 I just became really depressed and isolated and started questioning everything and um this is when I just start I think some of the same Jehovah's Witnesses would still come by um our house a different house, but still came around. And, um, yeah, I just became hostile towards them. Like I wanted nothing to do with what they were teaching. And, um, it, it just didn't, it didn't, um, appeal to me anymore. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just didn't feel resonant to you anymore. Like it just didn't. It, no, it just felt like any other like organized religious bullshit. Like it just didn't, (laughs) I, I wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. 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 That's, it's hard to, it's hard to feel, uh, I mean, yeah, high school, high school or being a teenager and being depressed is, is rough. <laughs> 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 uh, so yeah. Um, Taxi driver, <laughs> you must drink yeah, for the that's hour. A, that's a hard one. Um, Leave the meter running. So, if you don't mind, we'll we'll skip ahead a little bit. To you mentioned you didn't get um, you didn't really get the exposure to a youth group sort of thing until college. What um, what sort of college was it? A Christian college, or did you go to a different type of college? No, actually, it was a um, it was a public university in in Indiana. Okay. Um, I somehow ended up getting like a scholarship to go there. Um, so without that scholarship, I wouldn't have even like gone to college, but, um, uh, yeah, it was my freshman year. Um, and I really remember like how it all just went down. Like this girl just kept 
I wouldn't say bugging me, but she was really persistent in like getting me to come to like a youth group. And I had like no idea what that was. And I'm like, oh, that has to do with religion. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, but she was so sweet and just um, really respected my decision. Um, but just kept, you know, asking me, would you like to come? Would you like to come? And she was she was a really cool girl. Um, I didn't get any type of like weird vibes from her or anything. Um, so like the week after St. Patrick's Day um, in 2009, I just said, screw it, I'll go, whatever. <laughs> um, and I guess like prior to that, that I felt like, I don't know how to describe it. I don't want this to sound like the typical like um, come to Jesus story. But like, I mean, it did feel like God was like nudging me in a way, like just trying to speak to me or... I don't know. It just, I just got tired of life as it was going on at that time. Um, mm-hmm. I was, um, and it just felt like, okay, well, I mean, I got n- nothing better else to do. I wasn't really hanging out with my roommates at the time. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so you were invited to youth group and you actually, you had a, a like a conversion experience of sorts. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the first night, um, and again, like, it's funny, because it's kind of like, as a kid, I didn't know what was going on, I kind of just went along with it, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, like, uh, a friend just walked me up to the, um, youth pastor's wife, and I didn't even know it was the sinner's prayer, I just repeated the words that she said to repeat, and she's like, oh, you're a Christian now, and I was like, okay, um, and I, I just, I kind of felt like I didn't know where else to go. Like I wasn't interacting with my roommates anymore. Um, all I had was like class and, you know, other things. So I'm like, hey, these are like cool people or whatever to hang out with. So I just did. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that I'm, I'm sure that experience was, a, in retrospect, I, yeah, I did you feel, I mean, it seemed like you wanted to sort of, um, qualify it a little bit, but it, I mean, it, the way you talk about it right now, it sounds like it was a genuine experience. Like you did feel that sort of nudging and that, that was a response to that, that sort of nudge. Is that, is that fair to say like in that, in that moment, that was the, that was the response that you, you felt sort of compelled to make. Yes. In that moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I don't looking back, it's been what, uh, see, it's been eight years and I don't regret that decision. Um, that specific decision at all. Um, yeah. I felt like something genuine did happen in that moment. I don't know what I would call it now, but, um, yeah, like something spiritually, you know, whatever it did happen. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so what happened after, after that first night? Did you, you no longer had, uh, like a active sort of relationship with your roommates you mentioned? Did you, you, did you start to get plugged into this youth group and the people that attended and all, and, and all of that? And that sort of became your social network of sorts? Uh, that became like my whole world basically. Um, Um, kind of like, I kind of was like told, um, 
I don't know if they even meant it this way, but it was like, okay, you're a Christian now, so you want to be mindful of the company you keep and um, who you're hanging out with. And that even applies to like romantic interest, interests, like if he's not a Christian, don't even bother, blah, blah, blah. Um, like it just became, it began to shape my entire world and worldview. Um, so my life basically revolved around just school and youth group and um quote unquote fellowshipping with other Christians at their houses and church. And so like, it was kind of like a completely different person came to be. <laughs> yeah. 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 Those, I mean, that's absolutely. So very often the cases it becomes this all encompassing sort of lifestyle. Like <laughs> everything you do is connected in some way or in some fashion to that same sort of cause. Um, was this happening, were the youth groups and things like that, were they on campus or were they at a, at a church and like, did that have any sort of impact in, in, um, in your sort of student life that like that part of your life? Uh, yeah, it definitely bled into, um, my academic life, um, and how I approached, cause at that time I was just studying philosophy, philosophy, but eventually I picked up political science as well. Um, but um, it did. Uh, the youth group that I uh, became a Christian at, that was not on campus, but there was also like a connected one um, in a varsity, actually, that um, was on campus. Uh, so I kind of went back and forth, but mostly to the youth group that was not on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I just remember slowly but surely getting questions about like, oh, what are you studying? And some of the responses being, oh, that's great philosophy. What do you want to do with that? To, oh, no, are you sure that's what the Lord wants you to do? Um, what are you learning in there? What are they saying about God? Blah, blah, blah. So it became like a kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way where they would constantly, you know, have you prayed about it? Is this what the Lord wants you to do? Um, so, yeah, this this self self fulfilling prophecy um they they were sort of just trying to make sure that you were studying something safe is that did that ever seem for you personally did that ever seem to be a concern for you like did um that the things you were studying were somehow a threat to what you were learning in youth group and things like that no not at first but the more they kept asking me the more um I started to to think like, oh, maybe this isn't safe. Maybe this is threatening my faith with God. And maybe this is going to eventually lead me astray from my walk with Christ, blah, blah, blah. Um, Which now I look back and it's like, oh, whatever. I'm really, I'm really glad I studied it. But um, yeah, like I felt like their questions eventually like got into my head and I allowed that to influence um, how I approached um, what I was studying and how I was studying. Like I did well in the classes, but I felt like my heart wasn't in it in the way that it was prior to becoming a Christian. So, mm-hmm. um, so could you elaborate on that a little bit as far as like what 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 sort of branches or or, or schools of philosophy were you teaching, and how did um, how did this sort of influence of um, being, did they, uh, and actually I haven't even, uh, confirmed or clarified this yet. Was it like a, was it like an evangelical sort of church or was it just sort of, 
um, non-denominational sort of default evangelical. Um, and as far as, so I, I actually didn't clarify that, but to go back to my original question, uh, as far as elaborating on what, um, how did, what schools of philosophy were you studying and, and then how did that evangelical or church, church influence start to make you doubt or feel like your heart wasn't in it anymore? Well, um, the classes I remember studying were ancient philosophy, um, a little bit of metaphysics, um, really just the basic like intro to philosophy classes. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, um, maybe a little bit of ethics, but it was just really, uh, broad stuff. Like it's not definitely, it's definitely not like grad school where we go in depth, uh, with the different branches, but, um, the church that I went to was not denominational, evangelical by default, um, but they obviously would never call themselves that. But looking back, that's, you know, call a spade a spade. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, just how they talked about uh, creation and God being, you know, the source of all good things and blessings and knowledge and um just like this assumed like common sense way of thinking like, Oh, we should never question these these things. This is truth. This is capital T capital T truth. Um, and what you're doing in philosophy, you're questioning, you're being taught to question capital T truth with little T truths. And that's not good because you're a baby Christian and you know, that, that, that shouldn't be happening. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. I mean, I'm sure that was like really (laughs) difficult to take. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely felt like, wow, damn, I'm not being supported. You know, they claim to be my friends and they claim to love me, but they're, I wouldn't say disgusted, but they're turned off by a passion of mine, like something that I've loved and been interested in since high school, you know, and it's like, just because it's not something that's explicitly Christian doesn't mean it's anti-God, you know, or it's going to magically lead me astray or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I can hear, I can hear that, that like, even in your voice, like I can hear that that topic, that's a topic is what is energizing for you. So what, I mean, just to, to understand that a little bit, what is it about philosophy that, that got you interested and what made you want to study it in college and, and further on? Um, I uh, remember reading Dostoevsky's uh, Crime and Punishment in um, AP History in high school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Camus' um, The Stranger. And I just fell in love with it. Just the questions he, were, he was asking about good and evil, um, humanity, um, right and wrong. Uh, it was just so... It was so depressing, but it was so damn good. And I <laughs> I fell in love specifically with Dostoevsky's work and um, didn't really know what philosophy was, but I kind of felt like that's what he was hinting at in his work. Um, mm-hmm. So the second I was able to choose a major uh, for college, I'm like, yep, that's what I'm doing. And I, I never changed it. I just added on to it. But um, yeah, just asking the big questions. Um, yeah, yeah about life in general and creation and the universe and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. So 
Yeah, I mean, it all started with me loving to read in general, but specifically those books in uh, high school really drove uh, that passion. Yeah, yeah. I, I had, uh, I loved, um, I, I loved Crime and Punishment. I actually read, uh, I had a really, <laughs> I, I worked at a call center one summer um, and it, there was a lot of dead time. And so, because it was a catalog call center, so I got to read like Brothers Karamazov. Um, <laughs> during one summer and then I uh I was really angsty in undergrad personally so uh, I really loved uh, notes from underground um <laughs> uh so that one that one for me like I I'm definitely uh I I enjoyed Dostoevsky a lot too um I haven't read a lot of his other uh novels and things like that but um those were those were formative for me uh just personally uh so that's really interesting <laughs> to, uh that um to hear someone else, uh, you know, have that sort of uh, fascination with, with, with his work. Yeah, most definitely. And um, I'm just really grateful for the teacher, um, Mrs. Hogan, actually, um, who exposed me to that type of um, literature. So going back to the uh, question uh, with how did it make you feel when uh, friends would, like, question um my uh my major and why i chose it um it's just like someone you know talking about why do you have that child that you created like why do you need it or why are you so passionate about this sport that you've practiced since you were five like it's it's just so personal and it hurt it so yeah yeah absolutely and what i mean um what what would they see as like a more i don't know like god fearing or god honoring major if it wasn't philosophy like yeah. what to them what to them would have been acceptable like um oh let's see the i'm trying to remember what others majored in i knew someone who majored in communications i knew someone who majored in uh business etc um Thing, the and again like I don't want to put words in their mouths but looking back I'm pretty sure the only like type of philosophical inquiry that they would have been that they would have approved of would have been probably apologetics where I learned to um like defend my faith and also um learn why I believe what I believe so I, th- I honestly think that's the, the only type of like philosophy they would have pr- would have approved of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only ones I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to not make a snarky comment about Josh McDowell or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways. Um, so, uh, we, we, we shared a little bit, um, we, we messaged a little bit, uh, in anticipation of, um, this conversation, and you mentioned that, you know, part of what also led you into uh, conflict with this group was, um, uh, or I don't even know, you, you, you can tell me whether conflict is, is too hard or whether added tension or whatever it might have been. Um, but one of those things that added tension or conflict was and this addition of the poly, political science major and then you sort of criticizing um, the conservative movement. Let's say. Um, so how did 
what when you added this political science um, major and you started studying those things, what um, what did what did that sort of reveal to you, or what did what did taking those courses sort of how did that impact your perspective and the way you communicated with this group and just with yourself and what you were learning? Well, um, I think what was revealed to me was already in front of me the whole time. I just didn't realize it until I started going into politics and um, watching the news and picking and choosing uh, what type of news I wanted to listen to or watch. Um, and the, I believe the college I went to was fairly progressive, um, even though it was in like, uh, North, Northwest Indiana. Um, but I remember having to read the New York times for a political science course, um, and like being quizzed on it or watching MSNBC every morning, um, or CNN. And for some reason, and I'm just so damn grateful that I did, I always avoided Fox News. Um, <laughs> it just never appealed to me. Like, I didn't know that they were politically conservative or anything like that. It just did, I just never could take it seriously as a news network. <laughs> There's a reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Many. <laughs> um, and um, I remember just casually mentioning it to uh, one of my best friends at the time, like, oh, yeah, you know, I've been really fascinated by, um, you know, the news every morning or whatnot. And I'm really excited about beginning, you know, political science and learning about politics and how uh, governments work around the world and our own. Um, and I remember her just saying, like, I don't think she was expecting this like type of reaction. But she was like, oh, you know, you should watch Fox News. And I was like, oh, why the hell? Like, why the hell would I watch that? <laughs> I was disgusted. Like, ew, no. <laughs> and she got, like, really quiet. And I can tell, like, she was, like, physically uncomfortable. Um, but again, like, I was just really slow in making these connections until, like, years later. Um, but just them just only mentioning social issues like abortion or sex trafficking I heard that here and there but mainly I distinctly remember and I just I wish fuck I wish I can go back in time and like just say no to this but um I remember going to an abortion clinic with them and putting a uh, red tape over my mouth with the words life written across it with a sharpie and again it was like with the Jehovah's Witnesses it was like that first night that I became a Christian I'm just going along with it, you know, not really critically thinking about why am I doing this? How is this affecting me personally? Um, it was just like, okay, I'm not doing anything illegal or quote unquote sinful. So why not? Um, and just like, that's all they cared about. Like I never, and again, being the only black woman in that group, 99% of the time for three years, like they never brought up race, never. Like they never brought up racial issues. They never brought up uh, poverty. They never brought up things that affected me as a young black girl in Chicago growing up on welfare, you know, with my family, you know, like it was like a whole other world for them. Like all they cared about was abortion and apparently Republicans were vehemently against abortion and Democrats were not, they wanted it or whatever. So 
I think I started to really recognize the um, left and right wing like monsters. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like I was inching towards like, okay, which way am I going to go left or right? Which way are they going or which way does God want me to go? Um, And my political science degree really, um, really drew me to the left as far as like what I was watching, what I was reading, how I was thinking about what was going on in the world. Um, But again, like church bled into it and youth group and fellowship and all that shit like that also kind of bled into it like, oh, you're a Christian. So you should you should care about the unborn and you should care about X, Y and Z. And I feel like I was never given the tools from them to like critically think about why I should care about those things. It was just the Bible says so. And we've been Christians for decades and, you know, we know what's best. And this preacher who's been preaching for X, Y and Z, whatever, he knows what's best. And um, I don't know, I just started to feel really conflicted and increasingly angry. Like, fuck, first it was philosophy now it's political science. I can't do anything right. You know, like, you know, am I a good enough Christian? Am I, you know, am I even following God? Um, Cause a lot of their like vocations and, you know, quote unquote callings, it was, you know, let me sell all of my possessions and go be barefoot on some mission field and preach the gospel or just something weird like that. And I'm just like, I love academia, you know, like I love that whole life, you know, lifestyle or whatever. And I love the process of, you know, being in a classroom and either teaching or learning or doing both. Um, I loved learning about governments of the world. Like I, I loved and respected every professor that I had. And to just feel like God was against that to me, even back then, like it made no fucking sense at all. Right. So Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, that's I mean, that's that's a lot of cognitive dissonance for a young person to deal with. Like, I mean, they put a lot of shit on you. Like, (laughs) like just I from what you're telling me, it make, you know, makes sense that that the things they were telling you were making you question everything. And that's an uncomfortable place to be put, like when you're when you're already an inter- like prone to introspection, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what's the sort of, um, I mean, you have all these things happening throughout college, which is already like a fairly intense time in a person's life. Um, you know, you're, you're mainlining all of this knowledge, you're mainlining all of this like experience. Um, and then you have all this cognitive dissonance running into and like as as part of it because you're you're feeling like you have to second guess things that mean a lot to you like this yeah. idea of who you are as a christian and all that sort of stuff like as when you're a christian that means a lot <laughs> like um so what's like as as this sort of progresses um towards your your final years of college or what um how how does how does that how do how do these relationships how does your um 
how does your basically your your time in this community um just i guess end because i mean your your college career ends too um so how did how did that sort of as you as you came to the the final years of college what what was that like for you cuz i mean you you're learning you're becoming more progressive but then also you're um you're also second guessing that progressivism because of what you're being taught at, at your church so um that's a lot to <laughs> to take in how did how did how did that go for, like how did that go for you <laughs> <laughs> it all like turned to shit like it all blew up honestly um i just became more increasingly um, I didn't know who to direct my anger towards. So I just chose God, like, okay, well, apparently this is what, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going, uh, I'm straying away from you, you know, and I'm disobeying you by, um, pursuing these things and thinking this way. Um, so it's you that I should be pissed off with. Um, and I just felt by that time, they were basically like one friend was just like dragging me to church. I, I just had no desire to go to youth group or to worship with them. It just felt so forced for me. And I, I think I started to think to myself, maybe I'm just outgrowing it. Maybe it was just, you know, a phase for a few years and um things that I wanted to do, I told I couldn't, it was sinful or whatnot, or, um, I don't know, we don't do that. Or we, it was always like a, we thing, like we don't do that. We, it, it was so fucking weird, but, um, I, um, almost didn't go back for my last year. I was this close to not going back because, um, an older Christian, uh, gentleman, um, that sounds weird, but I don't know what else to call him. Um, <laughs> he um, he just came at me charging, like, you are a Christian. You have no business being in philosophy. Um, I don't know why they would even, they, like, being the community that I was in, because they kind of, like, introduced me to him. I don't know why they would even let you um, pursue this, blah, blah, blah. And he basically like threatened me with hell with hell. Like I would, I would lose my salvation. Um, you know, I, I God would, would like remove his quote hedge of protection from me. Like I remember the conversation, like it was yesterday. Like I would regret the day I was born. Like, oh my God. I, oh my God. yeah, it was scary as hell. And I'm just sitting in my parents' house in like a suburb of uh, Chicago. And I'm just like, Holy fuck. Is this for real? Like, is this what they've been warning me about <clears throat> all these years? And, but just something in the back of my head was like, no, this just doesn't sound like God. Why would he, you know, why would God do this just because of a degree? Like, it just didn't make sense. Um, <laughs> so <I> said, <laughs> uh, eventually I went back and I got my degree and I just did everything stupid under the sun. That's that, uh, that school year. And, um, uh, but I, I made it out alive and I got my degree and, um, I kind of didn't know where to go because, you know, I wasn't talking to the people that I talked to in college, um, save like, you know, one or two people. I really honestly did not want to go back to that church or um, 
connect with that youth group anymore. One, because it's like, okay, I'm 25. Um, I was 21 when I became a Christian. So it's like, it just felt like a world away to me at that point. And again, like I'm becoming more progressive in my, um, view of the world and, um, my view of myself as a black woman and learning, um, black history and whatnot, and just becoming more and more radical in that sense. And I'm just like, fuck, I do not want to be around a bunch of white people who (laughs) I give a shit about any of (laughs) things that affect me and my community, you know? And, um, like I didn't hate them or anything. I didn't wish them any ill will. I just was like, okay, well, what do I do? Um, so I got my degree. I didn't know what to do, to do with it. And um, a friend of mine suggested that I go to like some farm in the middle of the country with a friend of hers or something. Again, it was like some religious thing going on. And I was really like hesitant, like, should I do it? Should I not? But she was like, oh, you can stay with her parents in Michigan um, until you get a call from them. And I to this day, I deeply regret that. Like that was probably the most traumatic shit I've ever experienced in my life. Um, and long story short, there, it was an older white couple and um, like the shit hit the fan when I told them that I had voted for Obama in 2012. Like they was they were not expecting, expecting that at all. And um, it was just hell. Like I had never to this day experienced so much just racism and bigotry and homophobia and et cetera, et cetera. Like I'd never experienced that, um, by anyone, any white person in my life, um, prior to that and since then. And it really shook me, but I know this is going to sound weird and people may say like, Oh, that's bullshit. But I really felt the presence of God whenever I would just go into the room, curse her out in my head and pray about it. And God was there. Um, God was there. God was listening. Um, and I, I think I learned more about my identity um, as as a Christian during that time um, and not allowing what that person was saying to me um, to stick. Um, granted, it was still traumatic and it took me years to like get those thoughts out of my head. But, um, three months later, I just couldn't take it. I couldn't take just what was going on in that house. And have you seen get out? No, I haven't yet. I, it's, (gasps) I know, I know it's, I'm, I'm months behind. It's on. (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) I mean, feel free to spoil it. It was, it, it was basically like get out. Like, yeah just microaggressions left and right and just every type of bigotry you can think of just spewed my way and um I'm so sorry oh thank you um but uh three months after that I um left and I went back home and I didn't tell anyone what happened I was just like oh yeah it was an okay experience or whatever like I didn't know how to express what I experienced um but it's funny because it was right before um, Black Lives Matter blew up and um, Mike Brown was killed in, uh, or murdered in uh, Ferguson. And I think what happened with a white couple drove me to 
um, just person and to not allow just the lies I was being told um, to sick or whatever. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, I, I lost you there at, at a little bit and the Skype broke up. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. All right. Yeah. It, it broke up a little bit when you were talking about how Michael Brown was murdered. Um, and what, uh, and I missed a couple of the comments that you said after that. Yeah. Um, my situation in going back to Illinois, uh, it's Ferguson Brown being murdered and black um, gain momentum in the news. Um, so for me, it didn't like the um, the reactions from white Christians didn't shock me. Um, but um, rough time, and I was around. Uh, 25, 26 at that time. So mm-hmm. it was, it was I, I, I know what to do with my faith. Um, I knew I wanted to be a Christian, but I knew I didn't want to be in that company ever. Yeah. Introduce me to them. Yeah. Be in the company of like white evangelicals in particular. Oh, I began to just like hate it, like not hate them personally, but just what I now know is whiteness. Like I began to just hate it, like with every fiber of my being. Yeah. Um. So you've you've mentioned it. Um. You've mentioned and and you mentioned especially this this awful white couple that you, um, that you lived with and and you were living with them and they were um, just causing you all sorts of trauma. Um. And then also you you mentioned that you were the only uh, African American in the group that you were in in college. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any? I just is. Well, I don't want to lead you or like give a question as far as like because um, I I totally know that I'm this straight white guy asking you, <laughs> um, but as far as your experience within these organizations, um, you mentioned that like. In the in the in the group that you were part of in college, like they they just didn't acknowledge anything that had any racial component to it. That it was just to them a non-issue. Um, what other ways did it sort of did race? Um, by them pretending that it wasn't an issue or pretending that discrimination or systemic racism wasn't a reality. Um, how did that, how did that impact and impact your experience to this point in your life when you like through college and, and through this awful, awful experience with, um, this couple in Michigan? Um, yeah, I just, I, again, I don't want to. I don't want to lead. I, I don't want to ask too pointed a question or too, um, or anything like that. But how, in what sort of ways did that manifest? Yeah, race just wasn't um, like I grew up. Obviously, being uh, taught to be proud 
um, of being uh, black or whatnot. Um, I was taught the truth about this country. I was taught about black radicals, etc. Um, but it's funny because like once I became a Christian at 21 and just being immersed in such a white conservative world, like none of that mattered at all um, to them. So it started to not matter to me. Um, and it wasn't until after the experience in Michigan with the couple that, um, it really started to matter to me again. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so in, in that, in that way, again, it it just wasn't, it just was not even on the radar for your, for your group in college and things like that. It wasn't, it was just like a world apart basically universes apart (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i i yeah (laughs) sorry i'm 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 thinking about my own because i I grew up in small town indiana and then moved to the suburbs of chicago and then moved to chicago like um there's yeah it's just it's a different world um and they just don't even for whatever reason, like they don't, they don't know even with the internet, like, (laughs) and like, and like Twitter, like, uh, and Facebook and all that stuff. Like it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, if it's not your community, then it's hard to realize that, um, other communities exist. Um, but that's not an excuse either, especially this day and age. Like (laughs) you you can learn so easy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah um so after this awful experience in Michigan mm-hmm. um what happens what happens next for you um as far as like how you process that how you mentioned you mentioned that you actually felt like uh, God's presence amongst this your basically you're being persecuted by this woman um who is just being racist and awful to you um and how did when you moved on from that what um and i know you mentioned in the past that you like you sort of you mentioned that that in the past you had uh directed anger towards god is that something that that happened again or um what what sort of was going on in your life after that? No, not at all. Um, so what had happened was I knew that, and again, this is going to sound weird because I'm not trying to say that a lot of um, white folks and non-black uh, people of color don't use their religious faith to justify their um, anti-blackness or racism because they do, but... Um, I just knew for whatever reason that God loved my blackness. He created it. You know, I don't, I don't even like saying he, oh my gosh. Um, God created it. God created my womanhood. God created my queerness, etc. Um, so this time around, unlike at the end of college, I kept my faith, but I kept my, also kept my distance from those back in Indiana, those folks back in Indiana. Um, the break was very gradual. 
sudden. Um, and I'll have that last and um, of um, <clears throat> violence that was on camera. Um, I knew that I couldn't get back to me because under me, just give it down. Um, they cared, but I was in the room three years and they never even about anything totally. But, you know, or anything. So I just kept my distance, but I kept my age and my me so I started here um uh and again like Well unfortunately this is the point when our connection started to degradate so far that we weren't able to establish another clear audio line in the evening that we recorded this episode. Um, so it's I know it's a really unfortunate place to stop this conversation with Delisa, um, but I wanted to actually present as much of it as I possibly could, and if I um, am able to schedule another time to talk with her, I would certainly love to do that because she is such an interesting person and has such a compelling story to tell. Um, What you can do, though, is to go right now over to Twitter and follow Delisa over at underscore Delisa Perry. That's underscore D-E-L-I-S-A-P-E-R-R-Y. She has a lot of great things to say, and I really look forward to what she does next. Uh, Delisa just graduated from grad school, and I'm sure that she has something wonderful uh, lined up. So please follow her there and listen to what she has to say. She's uh, a very insightful and uh, thoughtful person. So um, I'm sorry that this uh, cut off. But I wanted to present it in as full of a fashion as I could, so I know it's very strange to have this little <laughs> um, postlude here. Um, but I feel like this is the best service to Delisa's story and to her telling her own story instead of me um, playing around with the edit to create something that would ultimately feel artificial to me. So please go follow her on Twitter um, at underscore Delisa Perry, D-E-L-I-S-A-P-E-R-R-Y. Thanks for listening.